Welcome to the Retrospective Perspective. I want to thank you for tuning in and checking out what I have to say on pop culture and art and its debt to itself. So today I want to talk about something that has been perplexing me for a while. Basically today I want to talk about my thoughts and my findings and research um, concerning the influx or outpouring of artists who are selling their masters and or publishing rights. Um, it's happening at, at an extremely alarming rate. It's been happening for the last couple of months. You know, I started to formulate certain conspiracy theories or my that, that's where my mind went. And, you know, I wanted to do a little bit more research to see how I can alleviate some of these uh, concerns about certain things. And it perplexes me because for a very long time, you know, I've heard about you know, the artists struggle to own their intellectual property. You know, I've I've heard of these things with most recently and very famously Taylor Swift's struggle with attaining her rights, the the, the rights to her masters. And for those of you who don't know some of these some of this terminology, I didn't either for a while. And specifically for this episode, I wanted to really just dive into um, specifics and facts and terminology so I can understand the bigger picture. But as I was saying, you know, Taylor Swift's story of of the struggle for the artist to own their work, it's a tale as old as time. So to hear that in the last couple of months, artists have been giving this up, they've been discarding the they they've been discarding this like like, you know, yesterday's trash for the most part. It is that's what it seemed like at first. It's like these artists, major artists um, and smaller ones, but it's shocking to see these major artists just selling their rights, you know, because I had, and probably most people had these preconceived notions that it's the holy grail as a musician, as an artist to own what you create, you know, cause it's, that's not the case in the music industry. You know, most people create stuff and they don't own it. You know, the money that's made of it, majority of it goes into someone else's pockets. So to see this happening where people are just essentially just throwing it out the window. I wanted to dive in and really try to understand what was going on. And uh, a big reason that I wanted to do that was because, you know, this past year, 2020, suffice it to say there's been a lot of trauma over the last year. And one thing I can remember, something that was happening at the start of last year was the CEO exodus is what it's been called. So a bunch of CEOs were stepping down starting at the end of 2019 into the very start of 2020. Mine included. The company I work for, I work for a tech company, an advertising tech company. My CEO also stepped down at that time. There were circumstances regarding that, but nonetheless, he fell into that statistic as well. Just CEOs were leaving their positions left and right. What happened after that? Then the virus became a worldwide problem. But just before that, you know, we saw the CEO stepping down. And, you know, there were a lot of conspiracy theories about that. It could be as simple as 
you know, they were advised by financial advisors to step down from their from their positions, probably because it would be maybe more lucrative for them in light of what was going to happen with the economy. Not sure. That's literally just speculation. There's no substantial evidence for, for that that statement. But, you know, to try to make sense of something that seems strange, which is a bunch of CEOs leaving their million dollar positions, you then had a worldwide pandemic that just shut down the economy and we're still struggling with it today and people uh, losing their jobs and struggling to, to make ends meet. Um, so that's just me literally trying to make sense of two seeming, seemingly related incidents. So fast forward to now, at the end of 2020, start of 2021, I'm seeing all of these artists, which maybe they do, maybe they don't fall into the same category as a CEO. All I know is that these two groups of people, CEOs and rock stars, are in a completely different tax bracket than I am and the average person is. So it just triggered me and it reminded me of, you know, these moves that more affluent people are making, you know, it just started to make me think like, well, last time affluent people started to make strange moves with their money and with their business, tragedy struck. Is the same thing going to happen now? That's what my thought process was. Um, You know, my mind was just immediately going to a conspiratorial ideology. And, you know, I was like, you know what, before I let my mind get the better of me, let me try to figure out what what it is that could be going on. Let me look at the facts and let me look at other theories other than a conspiracy theory that I literally made up. So I think I'll start with the most basic understanding of what's going on. Basically, artists, musicians, songwriters, producers are selling uh, their masters and or their publishing rights. So there's a difference between the two. Publishing, to own your publishing means that uh, an artist owns the intellectual property of a song. You know, the the different co- uh, components or elements that go into a song. The um, melodies, the lyrics, and so on and so forth. Masters, to own your master recordings means to own the track itself, the song itself, not just um, the intellectual property of the songwriting, the melody, the lyrics, but to own the actual song. The, the thing that you are hearing is the master recording. The thing you hear on the radio, in a playlist, um, the thing that you download di- digitally, the thing that you he- the, the song that you hear playing in the background of a movie or a TV show, that is the master recording. So there's there are two things kind of at stake right now in terms of rights. And it's both of these. I guess it's not much different to the conversation, but I think it is important because owning the rights to the master recordings is a lot more lucrative than owning just the publishing rights. So both obviously put money in your pocket and give you royalty fees, but owning the master recording not only gives you more money in your pocket, but also allows you more freedom with how that song is used, the song itself. So to give you a couple statistics or to give you a couple facts, I'm going to post all of the references, the reference links and the articles that I use to fact check this episode on my website. So you can go and check out the direct articles um, that I'm using to fact check this. But 
uh, for every dollar of revenue a given song generates on a streaming platform like Spotify, about 58 cents goes to whoever owns the master rights, 29 cents stay with Spotify, and just 12 cents go to the owner of the publishing rights. So that gives you an example of the kind of money that artists are making. And it's also important to know that one stream does not equal one dollar. I don't even think one stream equals um, 10 cents, in all honesty. Um, I don't have the number in front of me now, but a certain number of streams equals to a dollar. And it's I believe it's a very, a very large number of streams. So I say that to, to also show that the way that artists make money nowadays is not the same exact way they were making money 15, 20 years ago. And I'll get into it in a bit, but whereas 20, 25, 30 years ago, buying a single, buying an album guaranteed a lot of money in in an artist's pocket because that was the primary way to consume music, nowadays, streaming services is what rules the music industry, you know? I can stream somebody's song once and never stream it again. They probably made point something, point something percent of a cent, you know, like from that one stream. So the main way artists have made most of their money, not all artists, but in general, the way most artists have made their money when it comes to their craft and the music industry, excluding any other assets or what have you, or other um, business endeavors in the music industry, the primary way artists make money is through touring. So Touring, selling their merchandise, selling out concerts is the main way that an artist makes their money nowadays. What's happened over the last year? Artists have not been able to sell out concerts. Artists have not been able to be allowed to play a concert. And I think you can see where I'm going with this. Um, Because masters are considered to be the most widely lucrative aspect of the music industry aside from touring... Rights to your master recordings, just sitting sitting there in and of itself, nowadays does not make you as much money as it did, you know, 15, 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, because streaming wasn't even that prevalent 10 years ago. Another way that these masters can give you money is by selling it. And that's probably where a lot of people's mentality is because of the situation going on right now. Regarding the, the hard stop in an artist's touring life and concert life. The firms that are buying these master recordings or publishing rights from these artists or uh, or record labels aren't even like music centric companies or corporations. They're literally private firms, private equity firms that have nothing to do, nothing to do with music, but they're willing to shell out this money uh, because artists are willing to sell their rights. It gives it gives a bit of a question mark because, you know, what does that say about your legacy? You know, being able to own not just who can sing your song, who who can make money off of your song, who can play your song, where your song appears, in what form of media, owning that not not just owning that, but being able to make more money than anyone from owning the rights to your master recordings is a big deal because you get to control your legacy. You get to control um, your brand and your image. So to to be willing to sell that, to essentially sell your legacy, 
to a private firm that does not specialize in music probably doesn't have your music's best interest in mind and is really just out to make money off of your music, it says a lot for the place that these artists are in. Um, you know, for example, these firms have been paying 10 to 20 times what a given catalog earns in a year. So they're, they're, they're shelling out a lot of money um, to be able to own uh, th- this music and artists are willing to sell. And I learned that before, maybe about 10 years ago, you know, these private firms began to look to acquire, you know, rights to an artist's catalog. Um, and it was a very fringe form of investment. It, you know, it was kind of like seen as strange. Didn't It didn't seem very stable. But, you know, th- those who got in the game early on and who are jumping jumping in on it now, they understand that music brings in revenue even when the economy is at its lowest. People are always consuming music. Music makes the world go round. You know, it's beautiful, but it's also scary when it comes to this amount of money that people are willing to clamor over. So, you know, these firms are uh, promising to generate revenue. They're promising to optimize the music licensing and, and the streaming licensing and and. Uh, the amount of royalties that are going to come into to this to the songs. So it's like an artist is getting a lump sum in their pocket. For smaller artists, it's tens of millions. For larger artists, it's hundreds of millions. So these artists are getting a lump sum and they're being promised that now that they have less rights, uh, maybe close to no royalties might be coming in to f- regarding these streams, regarding the music. But these firms are promising to optimize the licensing as best as they can in order to continue to make money, even if the artist will be getting a little bit. So, you know, that's how I understand um, these deals to be working out. So a list of artists who have sold their either publishing rights or master recordings. But over the last few months, uh, Bob Dylan, David Crosby, Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, Lil Wayne, RZA, Neil Young, The Killers, Imagine Dragons, Debbie Harry from Blondie, Barry Manilow, Calvin Harris, Shakira, and more, uh, including producer Jimmy Iovine, um, who owns classic albums by Bruce Springsteen and Tom Petty, and film production royalties for Eminem's 8 Mile and 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying. And I only listed artists that I really recognize, but there are many more that I'm, not, I'm just not too familiar with. These are the biggest names I, I was able to see. Um, and to give you a couple more numbers, Stevie Nicks sold an 80% stake in her catalog, which includes both her solo work and her work with Fleetwood Mac. And that was an estimated $100 million in her pocket. Bob Dylan sold his entire catalog of more than 600 songs, believing to be worth more than $300 million. And this one was the biggest acquisition ever of a single act's publishing rights. Lil Wayne sold his um, uh, publishing rights and including uh, the masters of Nicki Minaj and Drake um, for about $100 million. So he's a younger artist, so it probably wasn't as um, as much money, which I'll get to in the bit of the pros and cons to selling, uh, depending on, on your age or your, your tenure in the industry. 
RZA reportedly sold 50% of his Wu-Tang and Solo catalogs. Neil Young has also sold 50% of his catalog for $150 million. Um, and, you know, and it's really, it's kind of a monopoly because there's, it's th- these, these, um, these rights are really only going to a few of these firms. So it's primary wave and universal have caused the most recent ripples, but the company making the biggest splashes in the pool is the London based hypnosis songs fund. For an example, this hypnosis, they had, they own 10 of the top 30 most string songs on Spotify, just to show you their reach. If I remember correctly, that number is before they even started to acquire all these catalogs so they've been uh working little by little to own to to invest in these things remember uh this is this was a point of interest this has been a point of interest for a while but it was very fringe and now it's coming to the forefront and it's it's seen as more lucrative and that that name hypnosis is also very foreboding (laughs) not not to get conspiratorial once again because i'm trying my best to stick to the facts um but also i just like it's a private like fund they're not even they have no real interest in music. But anyways, besides owning stuff. But anyways, I digress. Here's a quote from David Crosby that I think really sheds light into um, the situation. He said, quote, I can't work and streaming stole my record money. I have a family and a mortgage and I have to take care of them. So it's my only option. I'm sure the others feel the same, unquote. It's very possible that there are artists who are trying to maintain their their lifestyle, a certain lifestyle, or who need to pay debts, who have debts to pay. You know, it's 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 quite scary, honestly. Um, the way that 2020s issues, all the issues that happened, uh, especially those regarding the hit to the economy, have really been the great equalizer. You know, from the poorest to the richest are affected by this and and obviously you know it's 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 a very first world problem to be worried about who's getting your master so not saying that um you know someone who uh is living paycheck to paycheck or has been evicted um or finds themselves in in situations like these and unfortunate situations are on on the same level as an affluent musician who is just trying to figure out who's going to give them the highest bidding for their 300 million dollar worth publishing rights but it's still very interesting to see the way that this this has really had a ripple effect across the board you know i've also read that uh like i mentioned before that the royalty programs they don't benefit not just the label even more so the artist you know and now without the touring like i said it's really just uh, a very sticky situation for these artists to be in you know, and regarding uh, the issue of the changes in in how artists make their money because of we're in the streaming age, you know, it's been said by experts that basically this is probably the peak for the music rights market, and waiting any longer to sell could possibly be less lucrative in the very near future and this is probably the best time to sell and artists are probably feeling that urgency more and more because of the precarious times that we're in it probably feels safer to have a hundred million to three hundred million dollars to invest or to leave as an inheritance you know as generational wealth than to have songs a bunch of songs that really just make point zero 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 something 
of a cent when you stream it. I've also read that, you know, because Joe Biden is now president and he is planning to raise the capital gains tax rate on large transactions uh, from 20% to 37%, that this is also a big reason why artists are clamoring to sell to the highest bidder. So hiking up the tax code could also be the component for why these artists are trying to make the most money they can while they still can. And I could imagine the um, the tug of war within some of these artists, especially the younger ones, because like I said, and, and I'm not even a musician, but you know, I've always heard that conversation that, you know, the the holy grail for a musician is to own their rights. And now all of a sudden they're hearing this truck contradictory message where people are are saying the best thing they can do is to get rid of these rights. You know, and I also read uh, from an interview with Billboard, this wealth advisor um, warns artists not to hastily sell their catalogs if the reason is to pay for something in the short term or pay off debts. He says, quote, many artists sign record and publishing deals because they need money. Very few then look back and say, I'm really glad I signed that deal. If you're looking to sell your catalog to buy something, then you are probably making a mistake unless what you are buying is an appreciating asset, unquote. And he continues, quote, you should not be selling your catalog if you need money or even if you want money. I should caveat that by saying that if you are planning on using the proceeds from a sale to get yourself out of debt with the IRS, then please make sure you are working with a licensed CPA on a plan, unquote. And I read this, you know, from another another expert also said that there's a chance these artists are getting shortchanged, missing out on years of future income and the ability to sell their catalogs for more money later in life. So it's a real double-edged sword. I could imagine um, the place that these artists are in. But like this wealth advisor said, I hope that they're not doing anything too hasty. I hope this isn't something that they regret. And I hope most of the money that they are making is going into something that will appreciate in value and not simply to pay off debts or simply to up- uphold a certain lifestyle because there's only that can only go so far. Like I said before, music makes the world go round and like these other experts have said music is something that's consumed even when the economy is at its lowest so there's always money to be made off of music of course there's it goes up and down there's highs and lows it's a roller coaster depending on certain situations like the one that we're in but music will always have value so i worry that these artists aren't seeing the value in their work and are just seeing dollar signs. But with that being said, I hope I was able to shed a bit more light onto the situation uh, that's going on right now with these artists. You know, I hope that down the line, these private equity funds will do honor to these artists' legacies and their music, and that down the line, these artists don't regret any sales that they've made. With that being said, thanks for listening. Make sure to check out the Retrospective Perspective on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for all updates regarding new episodes and to join in on the conversation. 